and welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We're back for another week to take you through all the news of what's been happening in Australian women's football and a little bit around the world as well. So we're going to chat about it. It's me, Marissa Lordanik, Anna Harrington, Angela Christian-Wilkes and Sam Lewis back for another week. So it's going to be a little bit more familiar to those of you who have joined us before. We're going to start things off with some You Love to See It, if this is your first time. We each describe something that we love to see on the pitch. So, Angela, kick us off. What did you love to see this week? This week, um, I love to see Amina Ethich score for Racing Louisville um, in their game against Washington. So this is in the NWSL. I think we all sort of coming into this week, we're like, where's the football? What's the, where's it all gone? So for me, that means seeing the Twitch notifications first thing in the morning and be like, oh, yeah, whatever, just pop that on. So, yeah, um, so this was one of those games and it's an absolutely ripping goal. She gets this um, lovely through ball from McCaskill, which wasn't quite where it needed to be, but managed to clean it up and cut in across the box and just left foot shot, sends it home. It's wonderful stuff. Highly recommend you give it a squeeze. Um, and then there was a light show and that was very overwhelming as an Australian viewer who is not used to such things. But um, yeah, all around, good times and really enjoying the vibe around this racing Louisville side. So maybe I will become an NWSL off this year. Stay tuned. you love to see it. That was a lot of information and I loved all of it. Sam, what did you love to see this weekend? This weekend, I loved to see Arpia Leichhardt defeating uh, current ladder leaders in the New South Wales Women's National Premier League competition, the MacArthur Rams, my old side when I was living in MacArthur. Um, And not only that, but uh, three of the four goals were scored uh, for Arpia by W League players, two of which came through Lisa Devanna, who has signed for Apia for the rest of the season, which is super exciting. She scored a brace on her debut, but the goal that I really love to see in this game was scored by Georgie Omendale. She scored the fourth goal of Apia's 4-2 win, and it was this incredible, delightful little chip over just a tiny little... She was slotted through by Devanna, and we all know Georgie Omendale. She is faster than light. And she sprints down towards the box. And on her first touch, she just dinks it right over Sham Karnas and into the far corner of the net. It was just sensational. And it's really starting to heat up at the, the top of the ladder of the MPL competition now. There's six points separating the top five teams. And almost every single W League player from the previous season has moved to New South Wales to play in this comp as well. So it's a really, really exciting season. And, yeah, I'm just more goals like that. You love to see it. We also love to see the return of the MacArthur Martyr herself. Harrow, what did you love to see this weekend? MacArthur Martyr, what a throwback. (laughs) Uh, Sam, very on brand, sticking with the New South Wales uh, NPLW, you love to see it. Um, But I love to see uh, almost forgotten Matilda, Kaya Simon, um, back from injury and scoring for PSV Eindhoven. Uh, We know that Kaya's had a shock and run with injuries over the years. She had a really nice um, injury-free patch where she got into some really good form for the Matildas, sort of 2019, 2020. Uh, Injured again. I think we talked about some of the omissions in the last Matilda squad. She was another player that was missing and her creativity and goal scoring is something that is always an asset when we have her available in squads. So Kaya Simon back fit and firing. You'd love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. 
if we're sticking with brands, I'm going to talk about the great state of Victoria because I am a very obnoxiously proud Victorian. So a little bit of MPLW action down here. I was able to commentate the Bulleen and Heidelberg game and there was a spectacular goal and a spectacular save in that match. So sharing the love. It was a friend of the pod, Gabby Garton, making a sensational fingertip save for Bulleen to deny Heidelberg. Really awesome one of those ones where you're just like, how did she get a finger to it? So we'll give it a share so you can all bask in it as well. And then Keely Lockhart scored the opening goal for Heidelberg in that game. It was a beautiful volleyed finish. Gabby Garten really couldn't do anything about it, but such a nice goal. So we love to see some MPLW action in our two states. But if there is something that we are missing that hasn't happened in Victoria or New South Wales, let us know, tag us in videos so we can actually share things that aren't in Victoria and New South Wales. So we'll hope to see some more fun things from the MPLWs around the country, but let's get into some news. It's big news as well. We have a broadcast deal. The W League and A League are no being no longer being shown on Fox from next season. They will be on Network 10 and Paramount Plus, which is 10 streaming service from parent company Viacom CBS. So we will have W League live and free every Sunday afternoon on 10 Bold, one of the secondary channels for Network 10, and all the other games will be streamed on Paramount Plus. So it's a pretty big deal. This is something that has been in the works for ages and people have kind of been wondering what was happening, where the rights were going to end up, and we now kind of have a solution, which means we can kind of move forward with other things, which is really, really exciting. But let's talk, I suppose, general thoughts on the new broadcast deal. Sam, kick us off. How are you, how are you feeling about the broadcast? I'm feeling great. But also, like, what are we going to talk about next season, girls? Like, uh, our episodes are going to be 20 minutes long if we aren't slagging off Fox Sports every episode, you know? Um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm really excited by this announcement. Um, I think it gives a lot of clarity to the clubs, a lot of clarity to the players, and a lot of clarity to fans as well. This is the kind of deal that I think a lot of us have been waiting for in order to start to really see what the league can be now and whether the APL in their rationalising of unbundling from Football Australia whether they can actually do the things that they believe they can. And I think this is one of those first proofs of concept in that way, when they said they wanted to really go hard at a broadcaster that would support them, that would want them to grow, that would, you know, build up this sport to become the number one sport in the country. You know, this is the kind of move that shows that they're, like it's working you know, that, that they are actually making the right moves and that they are bringing the right organisations and the right people on board in order to pursue that sort of joint vision. So that's really exciting. Um, the fact that it's a, a five-year broadcast deal as well is, I think, really good. Shows that there is long-term commitment on behalf of the broadcaster. And it also, I think, gives us a little bit of flexibility because over the course of those five years, if the leagues do grow, which I do think they will, then there is probably some opportunity within there for um, some, you know, for example, the the W League only at the moment being played on a Sunday afternoon. Maybe if Channel 10 realises that this is a really great competition and a really good big growth area, they may add a second free-to-air opportunity for the W League in future. You know, maybe that's sort of built into that. Um, 
the fact that it's a $200 million deal over the course of those five years is really good as well because money ultimately is what makes this game run. It's what makes the world go around. And this is a, this is a really good chunk of money. Um, so we would like to think that the clubs are going to spend it wisely. I do have some questions about whether or not there are um, certain sort of minimum standards or quotas about the amount of money from the broadcaster that must be dedicated to W League teams, that must go to women's programs. Um, and that must go to women's broadcasting as well. I'm not sure whether any of that has been sort of structurally built into the broadcasting contract, but you'd like to think so. Um, and yeah, I'm like, I'm just, I'm really excited for it. I think it, it's a breath of fresh air, this broadcaster. It's, it's a, it's an entertainment focused broadcaster as well. And I think that the way that sport is moving generally around the world, it is an entertainment product and you need to be associating yourself with a broadcaster that is going to really, um, light a fire underneath that element of it. And under Fox Sports, it didn't really have that. It was barely a sport under Fox Sports as far as I'm concerned. Um, but we're now actually with a broadcaster who wants to make it, give it all the bells and whistles that we've seen it give to competitions like the Big Bash. We saw how well that did over the course of their relationship. So, yeah, I think all, pretty much all the signs are, are looking pretty positive, except for one or two. Yeah, Sam, I think uh, the easy comparison for a lot of people straight away has been the deal that Rugby Union st struck with um, Nine and Stan, although that involves an extra Stan sport package. But in terms of that combination of um, free-to-air access and then also um, the, the streaming side of things where, you know, it, it works into an entire package that tries to get more customers on board. That sort of win-win approach, I think, is how they look at it. Um, it's a shame that the W League's not on the main channel on a Sunday. I think that's probably the one step where you look and you go, it's, it's regressed because obviously ABC, it was on a main channel. Um, but otherwise, I agree. I think it's um, it's exciting. It's the refresh refresh that I think people who follow the sport also needed. I think there's probably a level of disillusion and um, around, I guess, Fox Sports obviously being a the inaugural broadcaster of the A-League and then obviously being involved in the W-League. And a couple of years ago, I was doing some really great stuff, but I obviously fell away. And you can listen to past versions of this pod to, <laughs> to know, you know, some of the frustrations that W-League fans had in particular with that. But, yeah, Sam, I like the idea of having to build in certain things in terms of making sure that the women's game is, um, I guess, catered for the right way. Um, it's encouraging that they have taken, um, that Vercom, CBS have taken a stake in the APL, I think it's about 2.5%, so small stake, which means that it's an actual investment in the competitions as well as just the broadcast deal. So that should be a really encouraging sign. And one thing that was encouraging to see straight off the bat was that they had um, Jenna McCormick, obviously Matilda's centre-back from Melbourne City and Sydney FC fullback Michael Zullo on the project, uh, which is obviously uh, one of Channel 10's probably biggest ratings show, I would have thought. Um, to promote the new deal. So that's, I think, where a bit of the encouragement lies in terms of cross-promotion, getting players involved in different shows, actively um, promoting the broadcast. And also it, you'd think it would flow through in terms of news coverage. Um, often you see channels that have the rights to certain sports will be more inclined to, to cover those sports because it's in the channel's interest. It's a part of what the channel has to offer. So. That is, that is encouraging. Um, and the fact that Channel 10 really doesn't have any other major sports, um, I think should actually help in that regard too, because there's always going to be major 
storyline, say, in the AFL or NRL, depending on what market you're in. But in terms of the other sports that are going to be competing for airtime, if football is a priority of that network, then you'd like to think that that's going to be reflected in the news coverage, as I say, in terms of cross-promotions with magazine shows, TV shows, um, and obviously the news. That's something that can be taken going forward. So I think that's a really exciting opportunity, and hopefully it's one that really gets maximised. And just based on the quotes that you've seen, there's a lot of them coming from those, (laughs) those statements. That seems to be the case. That's the thing that really excites me about this deal, actually, is like what this broadcaster is going to offer outside of the competitions themselves. As you mentioned, Harrow, cross-promotion of the athletes and the sport to other kinds of programs that Channel 10 has, I think is like it's an area that we don't really see done in other sports as well as it perhaps could be. Um, Like there was some banter going around on Twitter yesterday that I was part of where I think it was Robbie Cornthwaite tweeted, okay, which A-League or W-League player would you like to see on The Bachelor? And I was like, well, should, like, wouldn't it be cool if there was some sort of challenge on MasterChef that, you know, incorporated, you know, catering for a 25-player squad or a VIP section at a derby? Or wouldn't it be cool if, as was mentioned on the project, wouldn't it be fun to see a footballer be thrown into the jungle? Or, like, like all this sort of stuff is really is really fun. And that's how you get people caring about, ultimately the characters who take part in this competition because they are characters they're personalities they're people that we we like and that we have stories and connections around and this is the way to really maximize that and to chase that sort of visibility that I think the game has always been craving. Angela I'm curious about your thoughts though as someone who studies sport and media did you have any sort of questions or concerns about this sort of thing? Oh god you make it the goal is to learn a lot about sports and media so we're in that process right now it's a little bit stressful because I'm realizing how little I know um but yeah no I it seems like a really positive positive vibes all around I think you know there's always things that you know we've become accustomed to I don't want to say mistreatment. Oh, that sounds bad. But I think there, there is the, it's nice that the defensiveness isn't overriding the sort of atmosphere around this deal at the moment, which is good. And I think that there's an air of positivity in the soccer Twitter world and that sort of thing where I'm predominantly seeing stuff about this. Um, I guess one small thing that I really enjoyed um, was the sort of um, graphics, which seems like a small thing, but it was like, wow, you remembered the women, which wasn't the case across the board for everyone talking about this particular deal. So that's really fantastic to see it flow from the top down. And I I hope that bodes well in terms of how, yeah, we see both of these leagues treated in terms of broadcasts and the quality as well, which, but I suppose, I don't know, I'm just sort of, we won't know until we know, but that, does, that doesn't make sense. But you know what I mean? Like it's sort of just holding our breaths until we come to the new season and, and see what this is really going to look like. I feel like it's going to be a little bit jarring at first. I don't know, because it's just that association with ABC and, and with Fox. It's just I've never lived in a world where they haven't been bedmates. So very exciting though, very, very exciting. One of the things, Harrow, that you mentioned earlier as well was the idea of magazine shows. So in Vince Regara's article for the City Morning Herald yesterday that sort of broke the story, he mentioned that the A-League will be getting a magazine show to complement match day broadcasting, which is really exciting. 
you would expect that the same would be the case for the W League as well, even though it wasn't clear from the article if that's going to happen. But one of the things that, you know, that that says to me is that the broadcaster actually really does give a shit. Because when you look at the relationship that the, the professional leagues had with ABC, for example, like ABC had offsiders, which is a sport-focused program on Sundays, and it, football very rarely got a mention, which is just bizarre because it was this, it was the, the sport that they had. They were the broadcasters. They were the free-to-air broadcast. This, like, how do you not promote your own sport? So, like, this is absolutely a step up from that. And so I think the the stuff that channel 10 can offer outside of the matches themselves i I, you know even though it is going to be on a sunday afternoon even if it is going to be on 10 bold which is a secondary channel i do think well i i hope that this the extra stuff that 10 can do for the league and for the players can compensate for that because i don't because fox sports obviously didn't do it and neither did abc so this is a step in the right direction in a lot of different ways, I think. I think what's sort of, for me, the 10 bold thing, while, yeah, I, I share that same disappointment on it not being on the main channel. I, I don't watch a lot of TV, so I had to actually Google what the sort of vibe around 10 bold is. And it sounds like it's quite geared towards uh, men, like mid twenties to forties men. Um, and so if, that's a strategic move perhaps. I don't know if it is or if it's just a, a where they could put it, but in terms of opening the game up to new audiences, in particular the women's game, that's a really exciting thing to consider. I think and another part of it logistically, I suppose a lot of people are seem quite disappointed that it's another streaming platform that they have to subscribe to. But hopefully if the product is really strong, then it won't be as much of an issue or perhaps that, um, reluctance won't be as there as much as when it was for KO. At least when I found with KO, it was like I'm paying for this and it's not very good in the end at least. So we'll see. And also it's quite affordable, but, you know, it all adds up. And that seems to be a much, much, much bigger discussion as well in terms of being a sports fan and having to pay out of the wazoo to be able to watch, you know, even just one code in Australia. But, yeah, Anna? Yeah, well, you've gone from... I think back in the day, uh, we never had Foxtel, but people that did have Foxtel could get effectively, you know, all the sport they wanted. And now um, between, I think, all your sports streaming services for football alone and then, like, if you've got Spotify, if you've got Netflix or whatever, all these things do add up. The other thing that is interesting and I think was particularly posed by friend of the pod, Ben Williams, I think this might be his first mention, he'll be very happy about it, was that... um, the difficulties it could pose in terms of if you want to watch games at the pub, especially not so much with the free-to-wear games because the pub should be able to even get 10 bold because, you know, digital TV is a thing. But it's more the games on Paramount. And I think that's been an issue in terms of rugby with getting stand sport, um, being able to watch uh, super rugby at pubs. Um, I imagine that something is probably going to be reflected here because obviously – it didn't take too long to get, I guess, Optus set up when Optus Sport became a thing and they figured out packages for pubs and that sort of thing. But I think football is a sport in particular where people love watching games at the pub. People love that sort of communal feel, dub at the pub, obviously, like big part of our brand. Um, <laughs> and I think that's been a bit of a concern. It'll be interesting to see um, how Paramount roll these things out. Clearly there's ways to get this stuff done. It's certainly not in my wheelhouse, um, 
the techno technological difficulties of getting streamed broadcasts up at the pub. But it is something they're going to have to consider because we talk about this deal being one that allows, um, I guess, broadcasters and everyone involved to get more access to football and more people to see it, um, which is, you know, all well and good if you're watching the free-to-air game at home. But if you want to watch a game on, I know, a W League game that's not the broadcast game, not the TV broadcast game, you want to be able to go to the pub and see it with your mates. You know, like, will there be Thursday nights? Will there be Friday nights? These are all things that will be interesting. But it's about making the game as easy to watch as possible. So I'll be interested to see where this goes going forward, I suppose, because it's something that they're going to have to address because you've got to have ways for people to watch these games. Yeah. Does, yeah, I, my question, I think you sort of answered it, Anna, in terms of, like, you can't just be, like, a pub that subscribes, you know, pays $9 and then projects it on the big screen. I assume you can't be because you'd be making money off that, presumably. But, um, no, my immediate thought was just, like, tap, tap, tap. Great Northern, hello. Yes, have you considered specialising in being a soccer pub? You're very close to my house, and I'd love it if you do that. I don't think they listen to this podcast, but I will be shooting them a message at some point to be like, are we doing this? We should do this. Anyway, uh, people who've listened in the past will know that we're quite fond of the Great Northern and there's one bartender in particular who, who will go great lengths to make sure that we're very happy with our with our soccer watching there. Above but, and beyond. Um, above and beyond. Even when the game isn't being aired, he tries to find it for us. That, that happened with the... Um, Taiwan-Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, that was not on anything, unfortunately. But he did try. He, he really did try. I really love that. Thank and you, he recognizes Irishman. us for it. Yeah. <laughs> Every oh, time. Oh, this again. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'd, I'd we need this digress. trend to continue. I do have another tentative thought. I don't know how, uh, how far in the planning or in the conversation they are with this, but the fact that Viacom CBS are also involved in this and CBS is now the broadcaster of the NWSL in the United States. I wonder if there is some sort of strategic competition alignment conversations happening there where, you know, we've in the past, we've already obviously seen that the, the two competitions have complemented each other's calendars. We've seen a bunch of Americans come here, a bunch of Australians go over there, and that's been really fun. Maybe this is an opportunity to cross-promote each other's leagues as well and open up both leagues to new audiences if you know, Paramount Plus can be the Australian broadcaster of the NWSL or CBS over in the United States can be the American broadcaster of the W League. Maybe that's a way to open up, you know, a new a new market and to start to maybe share resources, have relationships with clubs, because that's all stuff that was discussed in the, the blueprint by the APL before they unbundled. This was one of the options for the future of the league where they wanted to continue to pursue a relationship with the NWSL um, as a kind of a development pathway for Australian players. I don't know what has happened in those conversations since the unbundling and especially since COVID. Um, and obviously the NWSL is doing a lot of stuff off their own that they're expanding they're bringing new clubs in they don't really seem to be considering the w league in any of their decision making but i don't know this is this is broadcasting money like the broadcasters tend to have a lot of swaying conversations like this so yeah i'd be curious to see what this actually means for that relationship i think it's important to stress as well the security that a five-year deal gives um you sort of mentioned it off the bat sam but you look at 
reason is obviously with COVID, um, FA at the time, or FFA as they were, had to quickly work to restructure their deal with Fox based around everything that happened in COVID last year. And we know the unbundlings happened, but um, because of having short-term broadcast deal, you have short-term CBAs, you have short-term agreements with everyone in the game, you have everyone sort of in a difficult position and not really knowing what it means for them going forward. I think, especially in the women's game, in terms of keeping or getting, attracting, but also keeping top players here, you need to have some sense of security. And hopefully this, I guess, long-term broadcast deal will do that because um, we know that the FAWSL has this bumper broadcast deal that would be super appealing for clubs and players. Um, but I think for us, most of all, as a sport, and again, it's, it's drawn comparisons with rugby, it, it should be a platform to build some sort of stability off that everyone in the game can you know, have as a sort of starting point to know that there is, I guess, a future locked in for at least five years. Let's not forget that the, the A-League's only, what, 15, 16 years old and the, the W-League's even younger than that. So this is a significant chunk. Like it's, what, it's like 33% of the A-League's current existence and maybe 40, 50% of the W-League's. Like these are, this is a very long-term deal. These are very, relatively speaking, new leagues. So it's, um, it is super important in that sense. And Hopefully we can see, I think, some really positive moves in terms of shoring up the game, in terms of um, player security, um, whether that means we'll see things, I think things like expansion and extending the season were already things that look to be hopefully in the pipeline. Hopefully this is a platform where you go, we've got this locked in, now let's start making some really positive moves because I think that's what we want to see more than anything. You'll, you don't want to just have it as, yeah, it's a, it's a deal for stability and it, and it is at least... Um, you know, some security there, but you want to see it as an opportunity for progress, like a platform to progress, like rather than just doing the same thing over and over. So hopefully that's what we see because, it's as we said, it is really a breath of fresh air and I think it would be important to use the momentum from this to carry on and keep on delivering new things. The other exciting part of this is talent and who's going to go over to Network 10 and Paramount. Um that that's a big thing to consider and I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that I suppose because this could be a really great opportunity especially with 2023 to be looking at how we develop um yeah strong football in talent and women's football specific talent in that space because I feel like we're really lacking at the moment but anyway I say on a podcast with you beautiful people and um I know Sam had a lot of um questions about that as well in terms of Maybe there could be things like quotas and setting the groundwork or even I'm thinking maybe not quotas straight away, but something further down the track to make sure that, that this is, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a really good point because, like, where football media is part of the ecosystem, right? If, if 10 wants to grow the game, we, like, we at this podcast – Harrow and I in our professional work and Marissa as well, and, and even you, Angela, you know, Know, researching football and and media coverage for your PhD, like we are all part of this ecosystem. We all we all contribute to growing the game together, um, and so yeah, I'd be really curious to see what Ten want to do in this space. And I think it's a really great opportunity for them to even maybe start to position themselves if they're wanting to move more heavily into sport broadcasting. 
as, you know, a, a, a gender balanced kind of a platform. And, you know, they don't have any other sports, as was mentioned earlier. Maybe they could start to move into the women's sports space. Maybe they could pick up rights to other women's sports leagues, cricket, rugby, basketball, you know, and they could maybe start to cultivate some really talented women broadcasters, commentators, journalists, report like other sorts of talent in and around that space as well to to really um, boost it up. And wouldn't that just be the cleverest thing that they could possibly do if they want to bid for the Women's World Cup rights in two years' time? Because those are conversations are also happening with Football Australia. They're they're separate from what's been happening with the APL. And it also involves FIFA. FIFA is part of those broadcast discussions as well because it is their product. So, you know, 10 could make a lot of really clever moves here and position themselves as the primary women's sport broadcaster in Australia. And, and if they've already got this connection with the United States, again, biggest women's soccer market on the planet, seems pretty clever to me. Great, Sam. Like, make it focus on diversity, make it fresh, make it exciting. There's so much excitement and enthusiasm around this deal and what it could mean in the future of football. And I think even in the statement that they put out, um, there was a quote about obviously football is, you know, the top participation sport and also the fastest growing, I think, amongst young people, girls and boys. Um, Lean into that, you know, have some fresh faces. Diversity is crucial, but I think you also need to make sure that you just are keeping it fresh, keeping it exciting. Like you've got a product that you want to pump up as um, being exciting and fresh and you're putting more money into. Make sure that you have the broadcast product to match. And I think, um, yeah, hopefully this is the start of some really exciting times ahead. I don't want to sort of piss off anyone on soccer Twitter, but like when it was announced, there were a lot of people who sort of just said that they would like to see the old Fox team just shuffled across to 10. So your Simon Hills, your Andy Harpers, your Brenton Speeds, Adam Peacock, Tara Rushton. And, like, I I don't know if that's the, the wisest thing for 10 because, you know, they're all obviously very talented at what they do. But like you said, Harry, we need diversity now. We need something fresh. We need new voices. We need young voices. We need women's voices. We need the voices of people of colour. We need the voices of other people who have been excluded from these spaces to really launch these competitions into the next 10 years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what um, the, the statement that was released by the APL didn't say anything about who would be leading the broadcast team, but there, there would be information coming in the next couple of, I don't know, weeks, months, who knows. Um, but I would like to think that that 10 have a little bit more, um, I don't know, ingenuity a little bit more foresight to maybe be like you know what we've seen the reaction that primarily all male all white broadcast teams have received in other sports and we want to avoid doing that particularly when it comes to the w league so yeah i'd I'd really like to see uh, more diversity and i'd like to see them actually so maybe even move outside of the the current crop of available sort of people you know like marissa for example is part of the 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 game changes like women in commentary program down in victoria which looks really really fun and really exciting and producing a lot of really cool talent like there aren't women and people of color in and around australia who can do this sort of stuff it's just that they've never been given the opportunity to so maybe channel 10 can you know look at things like that and programs like that and avenues like that and be like you know what maybe we can actually start to do something really interesting here especially people who are younger because they've said in their 
sort of release that that's the target market. Soccer is primarily played and watched by younger people. So it's probably younger people that they would respond to in a broadcasting and commentating sense as well. So, yeah, I, I don't want to just see them all shuffle across all the Fox Sports people. I'd like to see them look a bit further beyond. You don't just want to be talked to by your dad, do you? <laughs> exactly. The, the thing that I wanted to highlight, I've loved everything. The thing that I wanted to to highlight specifically was something that I think very much spoke to fans' concerns about the most recent W League season in particular in the sense that the APL has agreed to share responsibility for broadcast production with uh, Paramount Plus and Channel 10, which is not something that is usually done by governing bodies, but I think that it was very smart of the APL to basically acknowledge that shit has gone down recently with broadcast production standards. They've apologised, you know, during the season for the errors and all that stuff, but now they've actually proactively said, no, we're actually going to, you know, stick our name on this as well so that if things do go badly, we are very much responsible for it. So I I found that as a fan really reassuring and really um, I, I really appreciated it that they had listened to these concerns and made the conscious choice and effort to be like, no, we are going to make sure that doesn't happen again. So that was one of my favourite things from this uh, from this announcement. It's accountability, isn't it? It's accountability from the league and from the broadcaster. And it's also, I think, a show of unity with the new broadcaster that you go, if there's issues, one party is certainly not throwing the other under the bus. Like this is a joint responsibility to get it right. We're accountable. Our broadcasters are accountable, we're both accountable and we've got to get this right. And it's good because it means that there is someone who has to answer to these things. If they do go wrong, you're hoping that they don't go wrong. You're hoping that this, uh, what they've written in here is, means that we're going to have a level of broadcasting standards that um, you don't get the queries that popped up throughout our podcast all last season. But if something does go wrong and it can, things can go wrong in broadcasting. We know that, like power outages, storms, whatever but there's someone to be held to account if things go wrong. And I think that's really important in terms of just a trust exercise as well um, for fans to feel like they're being looked after and for players and staff members, everyone involved in football to feel like they're being cared about and there is someone um, to be held to account if things go wrong. So it's, it, I agree, Marissa, it was fantastic. So that was the broadcast deal. That was obviously we can't wait to actually see it in action because at the moment it's a good squad on paper but let's see how it actually looks on the pitch but um we'll move into some news headlines because there's been some things happening in and around the dub and in and around Australian football so Perth Glory are making moves for the dub season we don't know when the next W League season starts but Perth Glory are making it work and they're ready to kind of tackle that when it comes so they have signed Nat Tobin from Sydney, Morgan Aquino has come back from Brisbane Raw. They've signed Alana Yanchevsky from Bulleen Lions down here in Melbourne. And then they've re-signed Deborah-Ann Dullaharp, Hannah Lowry, Tian McKenna and Tash Rigby from last season's squad. So Alex Aparkas is starting to build something. And after their last season, you really can't blame him kind of getting the early jump on things and really building a squad that has his stamp all over it. So that's super exciting, particularly if you're a Perth fan. I think it's really great from Alex Aparkas and from the club generally to be making moves like this because, like, we saw last season Sydney FC was the first club to come out quite early, a couple of months before the start of the season, and announce almost their entire squad. 
And the benefit of that is that the players had security. They knew where they, they were going to be playing for the season and they could start pre-season, you know, a lot earlier than perhaps some other clubs could, especially because some of them were already playing in pockets together in the MPL. So they could already start to develop the kind of chemistry that we eventually saw in their really successful W League season, even though it was, you know, caused a lot of chaos through COVID and borders and things. So I think this is really exciting from Perth. I think the players that they're bringing in are really exciting as well. They're young, they're talented. They already sort of know each other in various ways. I'm really keen to see... Uh, whether Eparkas will try to reunite the McKenna sisters. I think uh, letting Letitia McKenna go to Brisbane was a really terrible idea from Perth because she was sensational a couple of seasons ago with with Sam Kerr and with um, Rachel Hill. And I know that uh, they've already got some Americans lined up to come and play for Perth this season as well, some pretty big-name American players as well. Um, and, yeah, and, I, you know, Perth are also doing good things in terms of their sort of off-season like elite uh, academy program and stuff as well like the players who have stayed in Western Australia who haven't come across to Victoria or New South Wales to play MPL they do have a, a more advanced program for those uh, W League players to be involved in boys games to be involved in um, one or two extra sort of days of conditioning and, and gym work and training and things so yeah, it's, it's really good to see that Perth have responded very well to their first season, which obviously didn't go very well in terms of results, but that was perhaps exactly the kind of springboard that they needed to realise what they needed to do in order to, to be more successful in future. I think you're spot on there, Sam. I think it's exactly what Perth needed to do. Like, it would have been so devastating for them, that, and I'm sure especially Alex in his first season in the job, how everything played out in terms of not being able to maybe recruit the way he wanted. We, we know all the difficulties that Perth went through, but they had to get this part right, I think. They had to take advantage of the fact that their season, let's be honest, was effectively a write-off, um, largely through no fault of their own. They had to use it as an opportunity to, one, get a look at the players they did have, see who's going to work, who's going to kick on. We saw Hannah Larry in particular was very impressive. And then go, maybe we can pick the eyes out of a few of the other teams. Maybe we can go to the State League, see who looks good. And that's exactly what they've done. Um, and it, it makes sense to target. I think Janczewski is a really good example of, I remember obviously a few years ago, this is years and years ago, we had players like Katrina Gorey playing for Melbourne Victory because she couldn't get a look in at Brisbane Raw. Like you should be taking advantage of, say, if players can't get a gig at Victory or City aren't necessarily looking at them. And it'll be the same situation with the New South Wales teams as well. Take advantage pick up these players. You never know. You might have them for the long term. You might get one or two really good seasons out of them before they decide to go home. But try and get the best out of these players who aren't necessarily getting an opportunity. Um, and Nat Tobin's a great recruit. We know how good she was for Sydney FC. And it seems like that's worked out well in terms of her work and that sort of thing. Aquino was really competing for a spot as Raw's goalkeeper. It makes sense to get players like these in. They're hungry. They want to perform. And... Yeah, what, what, why not? Like, you've got some really positive signs to come out of the latter part of the season. I know they didn't get a win, but build on that, get some players in early and try and make next season a winner. Like, get on the front foot. They've done exactly what they should be doing and it's it's exciting. I think especially given the sort of real negative vibes that were coming out before the last season of will Perth even get to play, what's going on, where where do things sit with their team, which I think is a reason why they, they lost McKenna. Um, it's it's a much more positive approach and I think it's one that will actually really bear fruit for them. And as to what level that is, is yet to be seen, but it, it's super positive stuff. 
the other thing as well is like this is how easy it is clubs other clubs this is how easy it is you can just like get in touch with your players during this extremely massive off season and say we have a plan for you we would love you to be part of this program we'd love you to start to link up with the players that we have as part of our project and like sound them out have conversations it's exactly what Perth have been doing it's what Sydney did last season as well like the W League and W League players just drop off the radar as soon as the season is done and it doesn't seem like for majority of clubs they 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 really start to put in any effort of recruiting players and putting together a plan for the season until like one or two months before kickoff. Like, I don't think that that's fair. And I think it's fair, especially for the players, because they need to have some sort of security. They need to know what they're going to be doing. If there's going to be a player who lives in Sydney at the moment, but is signed for Perth, they need to know that early so that they can organise housing, so that they can organise changes to their jobs, so they can organise changes to study, so that they can like make arrangements in their lives in order to go and actually participate in these things fully. So, yeah, I mean, like this, like credits Perth. I'm just, I'm, I'm a big fan of this. I'm a big fan of providing players with more security and more knowledge. And I think that more clubs need to be doing something similar. Well, it worked out for Melbourne Victory, didn't it? They have players on the radar from, who'd been train-ons a year earlier um, at an MPL level. They recruited from interstate. Like Amy Jackson was living interstate. She'd obviously played before. Nat Tatham they brought down. Obviously she had, she did her knee, but they went out and they, brought their players, they got them settled, they had programs happening through, you know, through COVID, you know, in terms of what they could actually do was quite limited, but they were organised. As you say, Sam, it's not a hard thing to do. If you've got the right people in charge and they're committed and they're organised, you can have your squad ready to go and you can actually make an impact. And we know how short the season is. It's it's so crucial. And, yeah, I, I'm thrilled that Perth are, are taking this approach and hopefully it's, it is something that is reflected around the league because. As I say, you look at victory, that's how you win championships. That's how you win the Premier's Plate if you're Sydney FC. Being organised, having your team ready, having your players happy, and you can kick on from there. Hopefully that's something that this new broadcast deal also allows because a lot of the conversations have been once the broadcast deal is sorted, we can work on other things. But no, so now that we actually, or the leagues know how much money they're dealing with, they can actually start to look towards what next season looks like and stuff and by extension then obviously that trickles down to the clubs and they can actually start to plan what their seasons and squads look like. So hopefully now that things are kind of sorted more in a broadcast sense and in a money sense, we can start to see more moves like this because we're always desperate for dub news. So the more of it, the better. Um, We haven't mentioned it, but you probably already know. There are two Matildas friendlies coming up in the June window. They'll be taking on Denmark and Sweden, so that's super exciting. Once the squad is announced, we'll probably have a little podcast discussing all of that, so look out for that one. Um, In terms of our Tillies in England, we have Emily Van Egmont turning down a contract at West Ham, so she will not be there next season. I'm so sorry, Angela. You may have seen the reel on our Instagram that really sums up the entire kind of uh, situation there. The worst thing was we recorded that episode when she was still at West Ham and then by the time it was published she was gone. So it was just a mess of timing but really interested to see where she kind of ends up next season definitely one to watch 
Uh, others to watch will be Alana Kennedy. Her contract has ended at Tottenham, so keen to see where she ends up. And ditto Ella Mastro-Antonio, her contract ended at Bristol. So there's a couple of players who will be looking for new clubs where they actually end up if they stay in England or Europe or come back home. It's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, more locally, Jenna McCormick has signed for South Melbourne in the MPLW down here in Victoria. She played over the weekend, obviously won't get to play this weekend because no one's playing this weekend in Victoria. Oh, no. Because we love Lucky D. <laughs> um, but, no, super exciting to see that she's back on the pitch and hopefully doing good things with South Melbourne once they actually get to play games after this lockdown, hopefully. But um, those are the kind of newsy bits and pieces. So we'll have a little boot it's a familiar boot, but it's not a broadcast boot, which is the most familiar boot of all. It's a Liverpool boot. So, Sam, the floor is yours. As the resident Liverpool supporter on this podcast, I have been probably too quiet about this particular issue. We have spoken about it in the past, but I've never really unloaded in the way that I know that I can and in the way that this issue actually deserves because I have always believed that my club was capable of redressing it. They were always capable of fixing the problems before they got too big. But what's happening now is that it just continues to roll on and Liverpool just don't seem to be giving much of a shit. So we know that of all of the major Premier League clubs um, involved in the FA Women's Super League, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's, your Man City's, your Man United's, they all have started to come to the table and, and started, started to really treat their women players and their women's team with respect. They've given them resources, they've given them contracts, they've given them all the kinds of things that women footballers want. Liverpool haven't done that. We've seen uh, the results of that this season. They uh, finished sort of in a middling position in the women's championship in the second tier after being relegated a couple of seasons ago. And in the last week, uh, as we're seeing sort of across uh, both divisions with with a number of clubs um, sort of dumping (laughs) a huge number of their squads, uh, Liverpool have stuck to their guns and treated their women players quite poorly even in this respect. So Kirsty Lynette uh, tweeted, um, she sort of wrote a note in her phone and she tweeted, uh, I'll just read out some of it here. After three years at Liverpool, my time has sadly come to an end. It would have been nice if someone from the club had the decency to tell me that they were retracting the contract offer they'd previously sent my agent. I feel that after three years at the club, the least I deserved was a face-to-face meeting the moment they knew they wanted to let me go. Instead of calling my agent, telling him and then asking him to decide whether to tell me or the club call me. It's also sad that the situation was only brought to light after my agent had emailed the general manager to further the negotiations. Football is football, but where does it stop? So Kirsty wasn't the only player to express disappointment at the way that her contract situation was handled. Um, Not long afterwards, Becky Jane also came out and tweeted something similar, saying, unfortunately, similar to Kirsty Lynette, the club have retracted my contract offer in a similar way. As female footballers with zero security as it is, the least we deserve is to be treated better and with respect. It takes nothing to be kind. And there have been a couple of other players who've come out since then with similar stories. And You know, Liverpool, considering the success that their men's team have had over the past couple of years, they have no financial excuse to be treating their women players and their women's program in this way. They can afford to pay their players properly. They can afford to give them the security that they need. They can afford to 
take them to the facilities that is going to allow them to flourish in the same way that a lot of their Premier League competitors have done with their women's teams. So they're, they're simply just choosing not to do this, which is the worst, I think, the worst part of this whole thing. The club are deliberately making decisions that are keeping their women's team and their women players, their women employees from being the best that they can be. It is, I think, getting to the point now, for me personally, where I'm not wanting to support this club anymore because all of this talk about, you know, this means more, about you'll never walk alone, about this huge culture of inclusion, it's just, it's just smoke, you know. They don't actually believe it. They don't put their money where their mouths are and they have a shitload of money to put there, they're, but they're refusing to. And until that changes, I think I speak not only on behalf of myself, but probably a lot of other fans of Liverpool or maybe even previous fans now, we don't want to support a club that refuses to give a shit about its women's team, that refuses to fulfil the responsibilities that you have as a club who has a women's team. Because it's at the point now, the professional women's club game is at a point now where you cannot treat people like this. You cannot treat your team like this because the optics of it are so diabolically bad for you, it is going to affect them, I think, further down the line. So they get a a really big boot from me. I probably haven't, you know, really even touched the surface of how infuriating and how disappointing this whole situation is and continues to be. But I, you know, I just wanted to get, get a little bit of that off my chest, I guess. Like this is actually really hurtful it's really damaging for someone who's supported Liverpool for the vast majority of my life they have been one of the most important sporting organizations in 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 shaping my identity and shaping my love for the game this is something that really sticks you know and it it really causes fractures and 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 damages my my love for this club and for these people and and for the idea of of what they're meant to represent so I hope that they you know they're not going to listen to this obviously but I hope that and there's enough uproar that there's enough sort of um, outrage that's generated around this that they do eventually decide to turn things around because they these these players have given everything you know and they're still being treated like shit so big old boot to Liverpool. More like Liverpool. Sorry, that's right. Angela. That's that right. Exactly before. right. Have I? You have made that joke before. I swear to God. I- I've never made a poo joke. And she'll make it again. (laughs) (laughs) Not not me. Wrong gal. Sorry, Marissa. I was going to say booted Liverpool before so you can listen to those and you can listen to us talk about how bad of an idea it is that Fenway Sports Group, Liverpool's owners, want to wade their way into the NWSL because they they want a women's team but they're not taking care of their own women's team. Anyway. That's the boot. Let's move into something else. So let's finish things off with some how good. Sam, offer us up a how good. My how good this week sort of projects actually towards this weekend. So uh, here in Sydney, the New South Wales NPL will be hosting its first best in the inner west uh, competition or, I don't know, celebration weekend thing. Uh, so it's being hosted by RP Leichhardt at Lambert Park in Sydney and they will be hosting Sydney Olympic over the course of the entire weekend. And on the Sunday, 
Uh, it's the sort of the senior senior teams will be playing. So the women's game kicks off at 3.30 and the men's kicks off at 5.30. It's going to be a huge number of guests there. Simon Hill is going to be commentating. Leah Blaney, young Matilda's head coach, is going to be there. Um, some special guests. There's going to be a socceroo there from what I've heard as well. There's going to be food stalls. There's going to be music. There's going to be heaps of really great stuff. And both RPI and Sydney Olympic are absolutely stacked with uh, W League players and with former Matildas players. It's going to be an absolutely cracking game. Um, and I'll be there. And so for any Sydney siders listening to this podcast, I hope to see you there as well. You do have to buy tickets. So go online uh, and maybe to the Facebook page of um of the MPL or just type in best in the inner West MPL and you'll, you should find it. I'll see you there. Just to clarify the tickets are for the event, not just to meet Sam. No, no, that's a separate package. Yeah. You can, you can pay a little bit more and then I can like give you various kinds of objects that I've touched. Maybe you'll get a signature, but you have to really pay top dollar for something like that. No photos. You're classy girl. Meet the MacArthur Martyr, $10,000. Yes! I'll <laughs> even wear um, my Martyr socks. What a great pair of socks, though. Anyway, how good. Enjoy your freedom, Sydney Siders. Go watch some football. Anna, a how good? I got two how goods. The first one is Emma Checker, who is playing in Iceland with Selfos. Um, good for her. You're happy for her. But in. <laughs> One of their recent games, they conceded a goal and we'll, we'll share this one. The opposition players all, you know, run in to hug each other and celebrate. And poor Emma Checker accidentally gets caught in the middle of it and just brushes them off, like absolutely filthy about it. Because obviously she's just, her team's just conceded a goal and she's in the defence. And she just got caught right in the middle of all these hugs. And she's like, sorry, gals, not for me. Let me out. <laughs> Having a terrible time. Emma Checker getting caught in celebrations that are not hers. How good. Uh, the other has been, it's been great to see uh, Aussies in London with the, finishing their seasons, get a bit of time off to actually catch up, get out of their bubbles and all hang out together. So there's been some very wholesome scenes um, coming out of London in terms of social media content together of them all basically out on the town having a good time. Um, London's obviously in a much better state than it was a few months ago. Uh, so that's obviously your Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, Steph, Catley, Alana Kennedy, Emily Van Egmond and co. Um, so they've all been having a good time. And it was also nice to see all the London-based Matildas um, get out to see uh, Steph Catley's partner, Dean Bazanis, uh, win promotion to League Two with Sutton United. So there's some really nice scenes on social media of them all having a good time out together um, and obviously a, a nice moment for for Steph and Dean, um, who obviously followed Steph over there when she signed for Arsenal. So, yeah, just all the Aussies over in London having a good time after spending a long time in lockdown completing their season. How good? Very good. Angela, and how good from you? Yep. Um, my how good is a little bit silly, but we expect no less. Uh, tall girl representation. How good. Um, we have two, two this week. Uh, Taylor Korniak playing for Orlando Pride. Tall gal. She's a tall gal. She's 6'1". So there was a goal celebration with Alex Morgan and you can just see Connie X's shoulders in frame. So tall gal. That's, that's it. That's the tweet. And then the other, the other one is um, tallest, tallest girl in Newcastle, Tara Andrews, being at the top of the um, lovely graphics that I mentioned earlier um, for the um, broadcast deal. More tall gal. Much tall gal. Anyway, how good? 
Um, a quick how good from me, it's a, a throwback how good I suppose you would call it. This weekend we celebrate the 11-year anniversary of the Matildas winning the Asian Cup in 2010, which is, you know, it was their first trophy in Asia. It was a really big deal. It was a very rainy night in Chengdu. Kaya Simon scores that penalty. Absolutely magnificent areas. You can actually watch the full replay. The Matildas last year uh broadcast the entire game so that is still up somewhere on the line you can re-watch it and it is a really fun game to re-watch because you know we're going to win a penalty shootout and that is just delicious so how good for you know celebrating some history of our national team winning one of their first trophies in Asia so you love to see it I'm mixing up my, my segments now it doesn't really matter anyway that was another episode from us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on ESPN.com.au and ESPN app. You can find us on all your podcast sites, Spotify, Apple, Google. Make sure you subscribe and review if you like what we do. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media, so you can find us there. But um, until next time, see us. <laughs>